So let me say this. If there was one conversation, if there was just one conversation that I could have with you, if there was one conversation that you could have with people that you love, maybe your children, your friends, your associates, uh, one conversation, the most important conversation you can have, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to look at John chapter 3, and Jesus is going to have a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus there. And so if you can have your outlines there, if you want to pull those out. But uh, most people, when you talk about God, if you ask the question and say, is God good? What would they say? Most people would say, this is audience participation. You can shout back at me. They would say, God is good, right? Yeah, they would say that. So and then if you ask the question and you said this, well, God is good and God lives in a good place, then how do, you, how do people get to the good place? What do they have to do? They have to be... They have to be... All of the above. Okay, thank you. So, so... Okay, if they're, they're getting a lot of people would say they have to be good, right? They have to be good. What does that look like? Audience participation. What does that look like when you say you have to be good? What does that mean you have to be good? Help me. What, what's it mean? Unpack that. What does it look like? I'm not going to give you the answers. I mean, there's no wrong answers, okay? So what are the answers? You have to, what does that look like? Good. Okay. All the above. So they'll say things like you have to go to church. You have to pray or you got to try your best or you got to give, you know, or you got to be moral or you got to tell the truth or you got to serve or you got to do religious things, you know, but then they're going to say there's things you shouldn't do. Oh, what are those things you shouldn't do? Come on. You shouldn't. Okay. You want to go to heaven. You shouldn't steal, lie. Good. Okay. All the above. Yeah. And so they say you got to be good. And so, but let me press down a little bit more. If you got to be good, exactly how good is good? Yeah. Okay. So how good is good? By that, I mean, how many good things do you have to do? Like if you, a hundred, a thousand, I mean, if you do 999, is God going to go like, oh, well, that's it with you to hell with you. You know, you, you, sorry, you missed it. You didn't get a thousand. I'm just joking. So uh, anyway, now here's the surprise. Guess what Jesus says? Guess what Jesus says? Jesus said that good people don't get to, get to go to heaven. Jesus said good people don't get to go. Like bummer. Like religious people don't get to go. Like all the good things you can do, you, that doesn't mean you get to go here. Good deeds won't get you in. So here's what I want to show you. John chapter 3 on the screens or on your iPhones or iPads or laptops or whatever. So the title of the message is Naked Night. Naked Night. One of the most remarkable interviews ever. John chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus. So they give him his name here because at the time he was still alive. And you could go and check this out here, do a little fast check and see if this was true. A Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. So watch. After dark one evening, he hits up Jesus at night. He came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. The magnitude of this moment is easy to miss. So I just want to take a moment and and unpack this here. So what do we know about Nicodemus here? 
I mean, he has an impeccable resume here. Okay, he is a formidable man. He's a high-level businessman, one of the three richest people in Jerusalem. Okay, he's renowned Bible teacher, the most renowned Bible teacher of his day. Billy Graham type notoriety there. He would be, today he'd be like Time Magazine, a man of the year. He would have buildings uh, named after him. He's, he's that guy, okay? He's a very important person. He's very high profile. He's at elevated status. The Bible says he's, uh, he's part of the Sanhedrin, which many was like a Supreme Court ruler, one of the top 70 guys in the culture there. He had extreme wealth. He had immense influence here. He is respected. He is admired. He's like Harvard-level educated, brilliant guy, the teacher of Israel here. He had it all. Question, is that good enough? So on top of that, okay, so he sneaks up on Jesus to talk to Jesus at night. Now, interesting that Jesus doesn't condemn him. You want to know what God is like? He shows up at night. Jesus doesn't condemn him for coming here. And that's better that you come than not come at all. And it shows that God is always accessible. And so perhaps even though Nick thought something was missing, I think that, you know, he's got it all. He has everything there is to have, to have politically, economically, spiritually. He's a leader in every realm. Morally, you know, he's putting on a clinic. Morally, you know, he's like a world-class do-gooder. You know what I mean? He's just like the complete package. So, but something is missing. He's Mr. Religious, but something is missing here. Something is off in his life. He's troubled. There's some issue. And so he shows up and wants to talk to Jesus at night. It says here he's a Pharisee, which means he's at the top rung of the ladder there. Again, he's a political leader, a business leader, a judicious leader there. Uh, he's best of the best by his peers. You know, he does the synagogue thing like this here. And he's like a superstar. He's like... He's like the Tom Brady of Pharisees, okay? He's that guy. He's, he's amazing. Uh, his status is just preeminent. Very public everywhere he goes. People know who Nicodemus is, you know. Uh, he spends his world as in theological discussion and debate and all there. He's an expositor of Jewish law. He's an expert on Old Testament biblical law there. He's that guy. Exemplary, uh, moral life, you know. So, you got one up, you know what I'm saying? A little overkill there, I know, but he has a ridiculous resume, okay? It's just, it's ridiculous. All right, and so, so here's what happens. In spite of all that, he wants to have a meeting with Jesus. Like you'd think if anybody like has it all together, has everything, this is the guy. And yet he wants to have a meeting. He says this, he says, Rabbi, so now the teacher is coming to the little itinerant teacher from Nazareth. And so he says, Rabbi, we all know. In other words, we've been watching. We've been watching you. We've been fixated on you. We've been riveted on you. We've, you know, all of us Pharisees, we've been watching you, Jesus, here. And this is what we know. We know all that God stuff you're doing. We know that you're a man sent by God. So it's all your miraculous signs and evidence that God has sent you. So he's saying this, you, we know you're the teacher who is sent from God. Now notice Jesus doesn't say, you know what, Nick, you're right. Go tell everybody that. No, Jesus, you know, he, uh, he bypasses that. I, what I want to say is this. I think a lot of us are a little bit, at least a little bit like Nick. 
I mean, at least the best version of you would be like Nicodemus here. He represents us at our very best. How can that be? Well, maybe you have a good education. Maybe you have a good reputation. Maybe you have a good work ethic. Maybe, you know, your achievements are solid. They're respectable there. Maybe your example is, 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 uh, is, exp- is respected. Maybe you have influence there. Maybe you're a person, you know, that uh, you're moral, uh, you're a religious person. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, you've, you know you, you're very involved in helping other people. You're a do-gooder, whatever. Some of us, most of us, all of us, there's some overlap at least with Nicodemus here. So he is a man who is very much like all of us here. So it's very important to understand that as we, we uh, talk this out here. And so John chapter 3, verse 3. Here's how Jesus responds to him. He says, I tell you the truth. So what Jesus does is he answers a question that Nicodemus is not asking. I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What? Like, where did that come from? So he stuns Nicodemus. Nicodemus is stunned here. He's thinking, I'm so successful. Maybe this, you know, itinerant Jewish preacher come from God can help me be a little bit more successful. And so, you know, uh, I've accumulated all of this religion, my world-class morality, my do-goodism, you know. And Jesus says, all of that, Nick, has zero, zero accumulation with God. Nothing. Doesn't do you anything there. Jesus says, your whole life needs to begin again. You need to start over. You need extreme makeover here. He's saying, you need to add something to your life that you, Nick can't add to your life. So before Nick talks about anything else, Jesus answers this question. He says, you need to be born again. Now he's saying that, you know what? All your religious activity will never bring this to your life here. You need a new birth here. Okay? You are actually, what he's saying is, you're dead. You need life. And I'm going to tell you how to find that life. This is how I see it. Have you ever talked to somebody and, and 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 you realize, you know what? It's just not working. Life is not working for them. That's what was happening with Nicodemus here. Jesus' assessment, uh, he knows exactly what he needs. To the religious professional, he knows exactly what he needs. He says, what you need is you need to be born again. And so Nick thought, nah, check this out. Nick thinks he's already close to God. Nick, he's a professional. His whole life is is devoted to being a professional religious person. And Jesus says, you've lost, you've missed the whole thing here. And so he thought he was going to get into the kingdom of God based on who he was and all that he had done here. And Jesus says, look, all your accomplishments, they leave you nowhere near God. Zero, zippo, nothing. And he says, not only that, the change that you need, the change is massive. The change is greater than you can think. And there is nothing, Nicodemus, that you can do about it in your own power here. He said, it is beyond your power here. What you need is not religion. What you need is new life here. And Nick is like this. You're kidding me. You are stinking kidding me here. I spent my entire life doing things to get me into the kingdom. He says, and you're telling me that all of that is for naught? Jesus is like, yeah. It's exactly what I'm telling you. And so Nick here thought that he could earn it. All the ceremony, all the ritual, all of the, you know, the do-gooding there, all of the, you know, church world, all that. And Jesus said, nope, nothing. 
you got to be born of the Spirit here, or it's not, none of that's going to help you. So he says there's only one way. Not all, there's not all these ways that lead to God. There's only one way that leads to God, and this is it. You must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, I can't, I can't believe this. I thought I had, you know, 50 yard line reserved seats right there in heaven. Now I find out I'm not even in the stadium. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not nowhere close. That was funny. I don't care what you think. And so today I want to show you how you can be right with God and you can be born again. Because you know what I know about America? America is full of churches like this. All these people, they're good people, like Nicodemus and all, but they've ne- but they're missing what he's, what Jesus is talking about here. So let's look at Nicodemus' reaction, verse 4. He has this dramatic, massive paradigm shift here. It says this. He's never heard anything like this in his life. And so he says, verse 4, like, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man, okay, he's showing his cards there, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He's thinking literal, physical. Jesus is like on a whole nother wavelength of spiritual, and he's in the physical realm there. And so he's thinking, this is impossible. How can I, how can I get my mind around this and process this? This is a whole new, uh, religious perspective here. And I, and what do you mean here? And so he thought he was already a child of the kingdom of God. Now Jesus is talking about a spiritual rebirth, which I would submit to you is what many of us need in this room this morning. Nicodemus had all these convictions about theology and about doing good and about the kingdom and all that. He's moral, you know, he's a guy who's righteous, all the rituals, all the ceremonies, all that stuff here. Notice what Jesus says in verse 5. I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And Nicodemus is like, oh, crumb. I can't believe. It's like, so what is he talking about here? Jesus said, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, okay, eternal life, Okay, a quality of life even now, you've got to be, what he said, born again and born of water. That is, wa- Jesus washes us, but Jesus also makes us new here. So notice what he says in verse 6. Some of your Bibles say, that which is born of flesh is flesh, or humans can only produce human life. A human can only give human life. God wants to give you spiritual life. Where you're born again there. It's not new religion. It's spiritual life here. Only the Holy Spirit can help you to be born again here. It's the Spirit of God that comes inside you and makes you alive to God. You can go to church all your life, but unless the Spirit of God comes alive inside you, it'll all seem like dumb and stupid. And that's where I lived much of my life. I thought people go to church like, why would you go to church? Like, why do you need a crutch? Like, what is your problem? You know, that was really what I thought. I never went, never went to church until when I was about 14. Mike Hendricks and I ducked out, went to a Catholic church. I screwed up communion. Priest is getting mad at me. I'm like, I don't know the drill and all that, but I'll continue the story in just a moment. And so the Holy Spirit then gives birth to spiritual life. In other words, in other words, we cannot cause the new birth inside of our own, ourselves. It's a work of God. 
Only God can give you what you need here. The new birth, it's supernatural. It's not natural here. God the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he gives you this new birth that Mr. Religious was talking about here. And so Nikki's saying, you can't do it. The new birth only comes by the Holy Spirit here, where God takes up residence within you. And so what it is, it's a renewal, it's a renewal of my nature that I become the best version of me. That I become not the man I used to be, but the man that I could be if I was alive unto God. Don't, like, why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't anybody want that for their lives here? Now I can be connected to the Heavenly Father, not because I jumped through a bunch of religious hoops here, and I can live the life I was created by Almighty God to live here. Verse 7. Don't be surprised when I say, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again here. Being born again, watch, verse 7, is like this. The wind blows wherever it wants. And you can't hear the wind and you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. In other words, God's Holy Spirit is like the wind here, and the new birth is spiritual, but it is sovereign work of God's Spirit. What you can't do is you can't direct the blowing, you can't, uh, uh, you can't uh, control it, you can't anticipate it. God just does what He does. And people then are born of the Spirit, but it may, but you may wonder like, how did that happen to that person and not to that person? You know, it's like that's the wind of the Spirit just blowing, comes to people's lives and causes them to be alive unto God. So this is what happened to me. Where, when I was 17, never been to church except with Mike Hendricks, the thing I just told you about. Never been to church my whole life. Family did a zero point spiritually, don't know a thing, nothing about God. Okay. And I get invited to go to church. When I'm invited to go to, it's my first time, you know, and, and I was realized what became real to me is like, you know what? Like, I don't have God in my life and I need God in my life. And I, and I became so overwhelmingly aware. Didn't matter what was happening to the other 1500 people in the building. It was like God was just like speaking to me. I need God and I don't have God and I want to, and I want to follow Christ. And so I knew the opportunity was coming where I would have an opportunity to respond. And they gave that. And, and I determined and I, when he was talking and I knew he was going to ask people to, to stand up and to go forward. And there's like 1500, 2000 people there. A lot of young people. And I'm looking around at, at, at the at 1500, 2000 people. And I'm kind of sizing up the crowd and I'm thinking, I wonder if there's very many other people like me. That they need to do this, you know, they need to do this thing and go forward so I can have God in my life. And, and I made this determination and I said, I don't care if anybody goes, I'm going. I'm going to go because I need Jesus in my life. And so the opportunity came and I popped up and man, I almost ran down because I, 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 want, I want the wind of the Spirit. Never been to church my whole life. The wind of the Spirit just blew it, blew to the speaker this morning and became real for me. See, you can't control what happens there. Verse 9. Nicodemus, Nicodemus says, how are these things possible? I mean, he's speechless here. He can't grasp, but he can't get his mind around it here. And so notice Jesus doesn't say this. Nick, it's all up to you. 
Nick, you know, uh, you got to have the faith. You got to have the right response here. Notice he also doesn't say, Nick, it's all up just to God. See, Nick would need to respond one day, not here, but later we're going to see verse 10. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. He's at zero point in terms of his real spiritual understanding. He had religious knowledge. And Jesus says, you know, you're the most prominent. You're the teacher. You're the most respected. Yeah, you don't grasp these things. You're the eminent, you know, the great Nicodemus there, the gifted, skilled teacher of the land here. The teacher, and you don't get it. Verse 11, because he has no capacity at this point really to absorb what Jesus is talking about. He says, verse 11, I assure you, We tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. So here's Nick. Watch. At this point, he's like this. I don't buy it. This whole born-again thing and all, I I don't buy it. so, So at that point, you know, he doesn't believe. And Jesus says, look, we're telling you what we know. No one told me this. I didn't learn this. Uh, this is eternal here, Nick. Here, I, I'm giving you this. I didn't receive this. I haven't been taught this. And here's what you need to know. And now what he's going to do, Jesus is going to do this. Kind of a little pivot here. But after having identified Nicodemus' um, absolute inability here to bring about the change that needs to happen in his life. Watch, watch. Watch what happens in verse 13. He says, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven. The Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus saying like, I am He. I am God here. And so Jesus can come down from heaven to make the new birth possible. What you need, Nick, you're looking at, I came down from heaven so that you can actually do what we're going to talk about here. So Jesus, what makes Him different from everyone, what makes Him in a category of His own, is He came down from heaven here. So what Jesus does now is he's going to talk about, he's going to pull out of the Old Testament, out of Numbers, he's going to pull a story there. He's going to say, Nick, this is what you need here. And he's going to illustrate how death could be the life-changing experience that Nick needs and you need and I need. Okay, verse 14. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, in the same way, So the Son of Man must be lifted up. Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9 there. So Nick, how is it that you can be reborn here? Okay, and Jesus tells him directly. The Son of Man is going to come from heaven. And one day, Nick, I am going to be lifted up. Let me show you how I'm going to be lifted up. And he reaches back into Numbers there and tells him this story of there, the children of Israel, God's people, they're getting upset and angry and copping an attitude and all that. And so, um, what happens is, is that they, uh, God, you know, has had it, judges them, brings judgment. So now he brings snakes into the camp. How many people love snakes? Snakes into the camp, toxic, poisonous, uh, venomous snakes. And they start biting the people, okay, biting the camp, you know. And so uh, people are getting bit everywhere. You've seen swollen ankles and swollen legs and swollen hands and arms and everything. And people are dying. 
People are dying in the tent next to you. They hear that, you know, little Johnny died and your kid just got bit and you're seeing him swell. And so there's pandemonium and panic throughout the camp here. What are they going to do? Well, Moses, you know, uh, communicates and prays to God. And God says, Moses, give me a stick and fashion out of bronze, a serpent, and put it on the top of that. And lift that thing up in the middle of the camp. And anyone who will just look at it, it says, they will be healed, they will be saved. And so Moses does that there, and he, he makes the, the, the bronze serpent there, which speaks of judgment, puts it on a pole, and holds it up high. And there you have people there that, you know, uh, they want to escape the snake bite. And all they have to do is they just have to look up, just trust, you know, just, you know, look at the, the, the serpent there and uh, as an act of faith there, and they would be healed. And all those who won't look up, die. So there's some people that are like this, you know what, that Moses thing, you know, we don't know about Moses, we don't, we don't know about that. Let's just make our own concoction here and see if we, we can't pull this thing off here. And we'll try to make a snake bite remedy here. And, and you can do that and you die. Try to do your own works, you die. All the people just will look up uh, to the, the bronze snake there, live. Look up and have life. A foreshadowing of Christ being lifted up on the cross there of those who were dying from the poisonous, venomous infection of sin there could be healed. And so all that was required was a simple look of faith there. And so the realization today of who he is. Nicodemus, you don't have to do all that that you do. All you're going to have to do, Nick, one day is look up. You don't get it now. One day, look up and you'll experience what you need here. Everything that you need. And so verse 15, the result. So that everyone, Nicodemus, who believes in him, okay, who will soon be raised up on a cross, okay, will have eternal life. And the life of God is available to whoever what? Believes. Whoever believes. Whosoever. Okay, not the do-gooders. Okay, not the rule keepers. Not the hoop jumpers. Not the religious. Whoever believes here. You have to believe on him. So it is by believing that you receive. You're given forgiveness, blessing, eternal life here. And how could this happen? The promise is this. 29 words that will change your life. Here they are. John 3.16. For God had such love. Okay, a love with no limits. Such audacious, indiscriminate love. Universal love. God so loved the world. Okay, so much that what? To the degree. Okay, to the extent that he was moved to give his only son. That whosoever believes will not perish or experience eternal ruin, okay, but have eternal life. And so it is saying to everyone that would ever live for all time that Jesus Christ died, he loves you. Okay, and so God so loved a death-conquering love, a hardness, hardness of the heart, removing love, a sight, spiritual eyes, uh, opening Love here, a faith-creating, audacious love of God. Whosoever. Whosoever happened in the life of the speaker 
And that's why I'm here today. Because of whosoever. How about you? Verse 17. For God sent his son in the world not to judge the world. See, he's not like that. Okay? But to save the world through him. That's the heart of God there. He's not, he didn't come to judge. He's not here to judge us, but to, but to save us. And that means to make us right with God and to save us from ourselves. In your notes there, God loved, God gave, we believe, and we receive. It's that simple. God did it all. Do this and live, the law commands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A better word the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. So he gives you everything that you need there. And so God didn't come to judge, but to save here. So here's the turning point. Here's the turning point. So don't miss this because you'll miss the whole point here. So we know that Nicodemus, he didn't believe. Right? He said, I'm not in. I don't believe. And Jesus said, you're the great teacher and you don't even, you don't understand here. So, but what's the one thing that he knew about Jesus? He knew that Jesus was one that came down from heaven and he knew that one day he would be lifted up on a pole someday. So now check this out. John chapter 19, verse 39 on the screens. It says this. We know that Nicodemus believed because of this. Watch. With him, that is Joseph of Arimathea, say, came Nicodemus, the man who came to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment of myrrh and aloe. So here's what he's doing. Nicodemus, to honor Jesus, okay, uh, an honorable act, a bold act, an act that could have costed him his life, has 75 pounds of burial because the body is decaying and, 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 and you know, putrefying there. And so he's, they, in that culture, they would wrap it in linens with spices and everything. So Nicodemus now is carrying the body of Jesus and these burial spices here. And you know what? Nick, he didn't, he didn't have all his questions answered. He's still sorting it out here, but he knew enough. He knew enough to believe in. And so, and I think that, you know, we never really get all of our questions sometimes answered. You know, you sometimes always have questions. But when you know enough like Nick knew enough, he believed here. And he believed that Jesus was from God. So what happened is this. Imagine the scene in your mind here. Jesus is being crucified. Watch. And there's Nicodemus. And he's peering over the heads of the people. And, and imagine... There he is, and he sees the cross being lifted up. And, and he had carried the body, and he, he remembered, he remembered that Jesus said, Nick, this is how it will happen for you. Here's how you'll be born again. Here's how you'll be made right with God. Just like Moses lifted up the serpent On a wooden pole, he said, so will the Son of Man. The day is coming when he's going to be lifted up. And Nicodemus, it's going to to work for you. You're going to believe then. And Nicodemus, he believed. So do do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? I mean, is your is your heart leaning toward saying, I believe that, that that's all that it takes there. 
Paul said in Romans chapter nine, sorry, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Okay, you'll be born again. The Spirit of God comes in your life. Watch. For it's believing in your heart, okay, that you are made right with God, and openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And so how do you believe in? Jesus said, you go public. You just go public. And, you know, you can, some of you can relate to that. Maybe you got married, you know, or maybe you're going to get married and, you know, you go public, right? I mean, you say, will you take this, you know, woman to be, you know, your wedded wife, you know, and sickness in it. Yes, I do. And, and uh, you did, and it was public, right? It was public. And uh, will you take this man to be your wedded husband? Yeah, I do. You go public. That's openly declaring. And so and it changes your life. Drew, it's going to change your life, brother. It changes your life forever. See, and you may not have every question answered, but you have enough answered where you can say, I believe. Well, you can come to that place there. And so I'm leaning toward. And so I know it can be a little scary, but as we close here, just going to create a little space, just going to create a little space where that could happen, where you can stand up by yourself one at a time. And maybe you just want to affirm that, that you believe, or maybe you've never done that. But in just a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity where you could stand up here and say, I believe and you can sit down. And maybe not all your questions are answered. But I'll tell you it's something that you will remember forever. Maybe you feel like, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a nudging. Or, yeah, I, I need to do that. Or maybe I'm not ready to do that. And you know, if you're not ready to do that, that's okay. But here's what's so awesome about the good news, the gospel. Here's what's so awesome. That when the day comes that you doubt... Your unbelief, the promise, will be as good then as it is now. It'll still be good. And so I'm just wondering, is there anyone here that you feel like God is kind of tapping you on the shoulder and nudging you a little bit? Maybe you need to affirm that, or you just need to do that even for the first time. And stand up and just say, I believe. If that's you, you feel God is calling you to do that, I want to invite you to do that right now. Is there anyone that needs to stand up and declare? Amen. One at a time, one at a time, one at a time. Good. Great. And Father, we thank you that you are the God that You come to Nicodemus and you came to us. And you made a way where there could be no way. And you were lifted up and you died that we might find life. This life, the best life possible and life eternal. And I pray that you would commence a work of the Holy Spirit in us that only you could do that we would be born again alive unto God and live that life 
I pray your blessing, Father, over us, this community. Thank you that we get to experience you and experience you in community. In Jesus' name.